Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast of the Irish Examiner. Now, the leaves are turning, the stretch in the evening is fading, and the boys and girls are going back to work in the Oireachtas. Next week, the doll resumes business for the autumn term, and ahead of that, we had the various thinkings. That's a great term, actually, a thinking. I wonder what a think out might look like. As well, we've had a few kites fluttering in the breeze and flags being run up poles to gauge the reaction of various proposals for the forthcoming budget. On top of that, you can throw into the mix the Taoiseach proclaiming a united Ireland in his lifetime and the tarnish to hinting that his life as leader of Fianna Fáil still has some way to run. Joining me to sift through the tea leaves is Irish Examiner political editor Elaine Lachlan. Elaine, you're very welcome. Thanks very much, Mick. Elaine, I suppose the week began with the first thinking, that of Fianna Fáil down in Tipperary. There was a time when uh, Fianna Fáil thinking could throw up great events or great turns or whatever. I get the impression it ain't like it used to be. It certainly is not, uh, Mick. And I think I was speaking to one minister this morning who, in fact, was able to go out for a run and I think go on the greenway, maybe get in a swim in the pool before things kicked off um, at the second day of the thinking. And I, I'm guessing that bit back in the heyday that you're talking about, there wouldn't have been much of an appetite for, for walking, swimming or running the next morning after the shenanigans that went on and that, that have become famous now at this stage. But um, certainly Fianna Fáil were in very good spirits, seemed quite optimistic or, well, if they weren't optimistic, they weren't negative, shall we say. Um, and I think the rump of the disaffected that perhaps we seen in Cavan a number of years ago when they were planning or plotting a coup that never happened and, and never actually materialised. That rump now, I think, is more focused on the next election and saving their own skins rather than taking out Micheál Martin. And perhaps there's a bit of a little bit of a a realisation that Micheál Martin is going nowhere and that fizz that was simmering under the surface certainly a year and a half or two years ago has petered out or has simmered out at this stage and, and maybe people are just accepting now that things are the way they are. Micheál is in power certainly over Fianna Fáil and it'll be his decision as to when he leaves and it'll be on his terms. But I think most people as I said they were they were they were buoyed up um, at that Fianna Fáil meeting, um, looking forward to the general election, having got their constituency boundaries delivered last month and ready to go into the dull term ahead. Yeah, and just in relation to Michal Martin, I thought now, and maybe this is just from afar, uh, Elaine, that you know his comments, how emphatic he was that he would be leading Fianna Fáil into the next election. Now, you can well say, OK, he would say that, wouldn't he? He'd have to say that because anything else would render him a lame duck. But I just, I felt that more so than I would have felt from any of his previous declarations, 
that um, that there was something in this. Or let me put it another way, that after that, I'd be a lot more surprised if he ended up, as a lot of people have speculated, in going to Europe in some capacity next year. Yeah, and it had been speculated uh, that he would be the natural or obvious choice for Fianna Fáil to put forward for an EU commissioner's job, which it will be coming up next year, um, especially when he chose foreign affairs when he went out of the Taoiseach's department late last year. He's taken up the role of foreign affairs. He's on the world stage, on the European stage, and it would be the ideal way to, to bounce into Europe. But I think at this stage, it does seem like, while he may have toyed with that certainly six months ago, it appears now that his mind is set that he's going to lead Fianna Fáil into the next general election or certainly will be bringing them uh, across the line for the local and European elections anyway. Uh, speaking to a number of TDs, I know he was in the bar on Sunday night ahead of the first day of that thinking and was very across all of the constituency boundaries, was very aware of where TDs or those looking to get back a seat would have to canvas would have to focus their attention and was very across every single constituency that he spoke about to backbench TDs, senators and members of the party. Not like a man who's on his way out or has his sights set on an, on a different job, certainly was what I was being told anyway. Yeah, I got, definitely got that impression. Uh, I suppose on, on another level you'd have to ask, um, <laughs> why wouldn't he go to Europe? I mean, he's Early 60s, he's obviously someone who keeps himself relatively fit. He's been Taoiseach. His chances of being Taoiseach again would certainly look slim enough just in terms of his party's strength. And uh, with that kind of uh, conditions and what have you there, um, it's interesting that it seems he wants to carry on. It'll, It'll be interesting to see how that develops. Now, one thing in that respect will be the sums after the next election in terms of who's going to dance with whom for the possibility of making a coalition. And in that regard then, he had comments about Sinn Féin this week. I think some people would have suggested perhaps he didn't use the best language, but he spoke of young people being infected by, I think it was Sinn Féin's narrative about uh, troubles. That got a bit of a reaction as could be expected. It certainly did, Mick. And actually, after categorically stating that he will be staying for the next general election is going nowhere, I have to say another senior source in the party made it clear to me that no one really knows what what Micheál Martin is thinking. And it'll be up to himself and his wife, Mary. The two of them will have a chat and decide what he's doing. So perhaps it might be a case that he decides after the local elections, well, wait a minute, it might be better for me to go to Europe. But... The mood music at the moment is he's staying and he's staying there to to lead Fianna Fáil through the next general election and perhaps try and negotiate a deal and, and a coal, another coalition, whether that's with Fine Gael, the Greens and, and an amalgamation of others or uh, with Sinn Féin, which obviously would be the more contentious option for Fianna Fáil or for any party for that matter. Um, and I think perhaps Micheál Martin, he is a politician, it has to be said, that does put the party ahead of the personal in a lot of instances. And I think he will be aware that the next general election will be a very important one and will be probably a turning point in our political uh, sphere or or our political, certainly political landscape. Um, Because if you look at the polls, 
Sinn Féin will be the dominant party after the next general election and Fianna Fáil will have a very tough decision to make um, which will split the party if they were to go into or even were the, if they were to entertain coalition talks with Sinn Féin that would be uh, a very difficult thing for some grassroots members and indeed TD's politicians to stomach and if you remember if Micheál Martin was the one that brought Fianna Fáil to the table with their old civil war uh, rivals in Fine Gael. and it took two elections to do that because we first had the, the, the arrangement where Fianna Fáil were supporting a Fine Gael government and then the second time round they went full on in both feet in into government with, with Fine Gael. so how he could manoeuvre Getting into bed with Sinn Féin the first time um, would be a, would be a difficult one and would be something that you would have to treat very delicately. And I think he's probably very much aware of that, and that's on his mind as well. It would take a certain personality to do that without causing significant ructions within the, the grassroots support. Yeah, and I suppose you're right. To be fair to me, he does think of the party, and, and you, you could well imagine a, a, a different kind of politician might look at the prospect of that scenario arising and say, not for me, I leave that on somebody else's watch, but to be fair, we'll see anyway when the time comes whether Mihal Martin sticks in there and goes for it. Now, mentioned about young people uh, and, and um, Sinn Féin's attraction to young people, one other element, far bigger element than anything to do with Sinn Féin's history or legacy, of course, is that young people, certainly in the housing crisis, are at the sharp end of it and are also at the sharp end of, some people would suggest, is a growing generational inequality. And in that respect, we have Dara O'Brien was there. His usually bullying self at the thinking, I'd say, Elaine, was he? He is. And I think uh, Dara O'Brien will sell the line that we will now see delivery for housing in the coming year, in the coming 18 months, if the government is still in place, and that a lot of the measures that he put in at the start of this government will bear fruit the longer this government remains in power. Um, and he'll be mentioning a lot of a lot of the incentives that he has, has brought in um, under his under his watch um, and will be mentioning that perhaps this is not the way that Fine Gael went when they were in power and they had the housing department uh, and housing ministry for many years. Um, but it'll be interesting to see those targets, uh, whether they're met this year. You know, the, the money is not uh, an issue. You know, they're pumping so much into housing at this stage, but it's delivery uh, where it's at. And I think the end of this year, we'll see whether they are making moves and are um, certainly delivering to the same extent as Dara Ryan claims that he is. Yeah, and one thing arose this week just in, in, in the broader terms, and it's part of a theme that keeps recurring, particularly in housing, and that is, you said, the likes of the money is there. OK, there, there's an issue in terms of workforce and that getting enough people basically they have to come into the country to do the work and that absolutely that's an issue. But another thing has been... The, the, the system itself and this week three and a half thousand empty uh, local authority homes it was it was revealed are out there I mean there's something badly wrong within the system when that's the scenario and you just wonder is it a question of political will or what it is or what can be done about that yeah, and I think when you're talking about anything in the public sphere, it does take time. And I think that's an issue. Now, those 
those houses do need drilling down were they vacant just temporarily while people were moving out and others were moving in or is it a case that those uh, social homes are left for significant amounts of time I think that's something that people have raised in the past the actual time between tenancies of social housing so when someone moves out it can take months um, if not years for that property to be offered to a family or for a family to move into um, that property and and that is that lag is certainly an issue um but i think it's probably it's one of many issues and probably not the worst i think again we do need to start building do we have the manpower can we afford it as i said the money is there but we do have a massive issue with inflation right now and we're not certainly getting the value for money that Perhaps if if previous governments had been investing in social housing and building of social housing, we might have got far more houses delivered than we will now. So that's also an issue for this government, that they're not getting the same delivery for the money that they're spending. Yeah, oh, I think you're right. I, th- I, I think one of the biggest problems we have is, is a legacy one, effectively, and we're playing catch-up in terms of what's happened for the last, now, 12, 13 years even, and how... Um, how to deal with the fact that so little was built during that period. But I think it's going to be housing, housing for the next election. There's no question about that. The other thing that's um, a, a flag poll was, or a flag was sent up the poll, as they say, this week was in relation to tax cuts. And now uh, the, 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 the current one is this idea that there'll be a cut in the USC. And that, I think, as I, as far as I can see, Elaine, you tell me, seems to be something that's more popular with the Fianna Fáil leg of the coalition. Yeah, Mick, I would, what I would say was this measure has Michael McGrath's name written all over it and it's a way of Fianna Fáil getting their stamp on the budget. It's the first time the Fianna Fáil in over a decade will hold the finance ministry and I think that they're very eager to be able to point to measures when they go to um, the people both next year for the locals and the Europeans but also the general and say, well, this is what we delivered for you and USC is one of those areas that certainly they can say Fine Gael had no interest in delivering on this. We did and we pushed it. Um, and it also it comes after those three junior ministers writing an, a very controversial op-ed um, in another publication a number of months ago where they were focusing on a thousand euro tax uh, decrease or tax cut for uh, workers. So focusing on income tax and we can see now that Michael McGrath will certainly be pushing to bring in USC cuts. We expect that you'll also see uh, income changes on the income tax, certainly around the higher rate and the tax bans there and people entering the higher rate of income tax at a higher level. And as, as the Taoiseach in particular, but others within Finnegal have saying, have been saying is this essentially will stop people from taking a, a, an income cut because with inflation running the way it is, if you don't enter, uh, or don't increase those thresholds, you effectively are giving people an income cut. Um, so essentially they're not selling that as, as tax cuts. 
they're set selling it as a readjustment. But it'll be interesting the level where they set that and certainly the USC, how that'll be changed in the budget is something that we're all keeping a close eye on. Yeah, and the thing about the USC that strikes me, I mean, you know, you, you, you hear these terms, both terms I heard even in even the last week or so, the hated USC and the controversial USC. But of all the kind of income taxes as they're currently structured, it would strike me as being the most progressive one. And already those at the very lower reaches of the income uh, brackets have been taken out of it. And you can argue one way or the other whether a very small amount should be taken from everyone. But I mean, leaving that aside, but even the way it's structured now, it doesn't seem terribly progressive to me, Elaine, that you'd be interfering with the USC. Yes, but it goes back to, as you said, the wording, the language around this, the hated USC, the controversial USC. It is something a bit like water charges. Uh, it's a bit of a lightning rod that gets people going. And also you have to remember, why was it brought in? It was brought in in times of, of austerity when our country was basically on its knees financially. And I think once you mention USC, people get get nightmares of that time when really we were in dire straits and the country had to introduce a brand new tax to bail ourselves out, essentially. Um, so I think it has those connotations and that's why it's it's so controversial. Again, the, the word that we use all the time to describe it um, and why people really would like to see the back of it. Now, we're nowhere near getting to that in this budget or perhaps even if, if the government have another budget in them, but we will see changes yeah, I can see it now already. The scenes outside uh, Dáil Éireann on the day of the budget. There will be mass tens, no, hundreds of thousands of people cheering that we've done something about the hated USC. I always love that term for it. Anyway, Well, as you know, Mick, as well as I do, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I'm not sure, it depends which, which side you're looking from, people don't tend to rally outside Leinster House and they're happy. It's, no, it's no. more when they're protesting. Absolutely, absolutely. No, no, I was just uh, throwing it out there. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, as we speak, Fine Gael haven't got into the entrails of their thinking. However, Leo Varadkar was out Already this week, and in typical Leo style, he had something to say that would get a reaction. And that was in relation to the North, where he suggested uh, that, um, he, as far as he was concerned, he believed he'd see a united Ireland in his lifetime. Now, on the face of it, no big deal. Leo Varadkar is he's barely over 40. I mean, you can, well, he looks like he's in good shape. Now, if he stays that way, he's got another 40 years. Anyway, one would have thought. So there's nothing hugely controversial about that. But we're back to the North language sensitivities, people taking offence. Bit of a reaction there, wasn't there? 
Yeah, and we're at a very sensitive time, I think, uh, both when it comes to the North, but also our relations with the UK and England and the British government after that legacy bill was passed recently. Um, and I think the government as it stands is certainly um, asking the Attorney General what can be done legally there. And I think the Taoiseach has already pointed out that it would be a very significant move if we were to take legal action against any state, but particularly the state that is our right, our, our next door neighbours right next door to us and with which we have such a strained history. Um, so, but at the same time, he didn't say, uh, he didn't rule it out. He said the AG was now considering it and the, the government would get advice from the Attorney General on this, you'd imagine fairly quickly, um, and a decision will have to be made on that. But that certainly could throw the cat among the pigeons when it comes to relations between ourselves, uh, Richie Sunak and Leo Varadkar. Um, so it remains to be seen what we'll do there, but certainly the UK government don't seem to be for turning on it at the moment and are certainly not listening to anyone uh, in this country, any pleas that have been put out to perhaps rethink that and go back on it. So that certainly has to play out. We also are without an assembly and an executive in Northern Ireland and there doesn't seem to be any movement there, even though there have been significant efforts uh, in recent months to get that back up and running again. Um, so there's a lot of uh, issues that are now festering away and will only grow legs as the weeks and months go by. But it was also typical, Leo, to come out with something like that, I think. I, or let me put another way to you. Michal Martin might feel exactly the same thing. Notwithstanding, he's more than 20 years older than Leo Varadkar. He could say something about his lifetime, but he wouldn't for those reasons. And there was a reaction from Chris Heaton Harris as well, like, wasn't there? Yeah, but you might say that I think Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar are two very different politicians and very different styles. I think there were a, a few, more than a few eye rolls down in Tipperary and Horse and Jockey at the Fianna Fáil thinking when they heard that Leo Varadkar was going to Belfast with a senior European politician and his Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue, for a very significant funding announcement right on the day that they were having their thinking. And traditionally, Traditionally, thinkings are not only uh, a way of the party getting together uh, and regrouping after the summer break, but also a great chance to get a good bit of media coverage. And it's a day that they expect to dominate the headlines. And, you know, a, a few people were saying, here's, here's Leo going up to Belfast to make a big announcement um, and trying to perhaps steal the thunder of Michal Martin and his party. So... You can point to the fact that maybe Michal Martin may have not have said it in such terms, uh, but I don't think I don't think you can compare or contrast both men because they definitely yeah. have very different ways of operating. And as you said, come true. from not completely different generations, but certainly um, have different understandings and different lived experience of Northern Ireland and the Troubles. That is very true. The other thing that strikes me about it though, Elaine, like for instance, you said, the Legacy Bill, of course, as most people will know, is this bill that's being brought in by the UK government that effectively will do away with the rights of people to bring civil court actions, will do away with the prospect of criminal prosecutions for troubles, related killings, and will bring in a form of so-called truth recovery instead. And that has really 
got the backs up of practically everyone in the north for different reasons because they all want to um, they all are slightly select sorry not them all but some of the main entities including the Irish government are slightly selective in terms of which victims they want to focus on however you mentioned the Attorney General will be looking at it to see whether to bring an action against the UK government now supposing he says okay you're on solid legal ground you then have the scenario whereby it's a political decision, which, as you point out, is a major decision to take on your nearest neighbour, particularly in the light of everything else that's going on in the world at the moment. And if the government don't follow through on that, could that become an issue between themselves and Sinn Féin in particular? I think it'll be something that Sinn Féin want to uh, take a, a, a firm stance on, especially in the context of pushing for a united Ireland as well. But uh, is, is it a difficult one um, if you do uh, go full on uh, offensive against uh, the United Kingdom or the British government? Do you scupper any sort of movement on a united Ireland? Uh, you know, they're not going to be exactly cooperative with any entity or state that has mounted legal action against them. And I think uh, the British government, whatever British government is in power at the time, uh, if and when this government decides to press for a united Ireland or a border poll, will have to be fully on side. Um, and of course, you, you discuss it then whether it would pass or fail, and you'd need to be fairly certain that that it's going to pass if you're going to propose such a referendum that would be held both sides of the border because it's something that you could not revisit for a considerable amount of time. I'd be guessing a generation if it did not pass. Um, and I think Sinn Féin have said that they would be very eager to do that if in government. Um, Leo Varadkar perhaps pushing out the timelines a bit longer. It depends how, how long he intends to live for, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Now you mentioned Sinn Féin and they're due to have their thinking. They, they, they've uh, an abbreviated version of the thinking. I think they don't you know, believe in staying overnight. Maybe that's a sign that they're more intent on getting back to work. But in that regard, and just very recently, Mary Lou MacDonald posted on social media about her comeback. She, as she, she posted last June, she had a medical procedure. She went through that and she took it easy over the summer which is a very uh, wise move, I suppose, somebody's recovering and, and the right time to do it. But she looks like she's coming back uh, full of beans altogether, as are her front bench. Um, from their perspective, Elaine, coming into the new term, do you see it as steady as you go or would you would you envisage them upping the ante a bit? Yeah, this is something that those in other parties, I think, have noticed now that Sinn Féin, have in certainly in recent times gone with the first uh, make steady as she goes uh, way of doing business and perhaps it is when you get to a certain point a certain level of support you don't want to rock the boat when you're at six seven eight nine percent you can be uh, dramatic perhaps you can be thinking outside the box with perhaps policies that, that may not go down well with some quarters. But when you're up, up considerably above 30%, you know you have to go for that middle ground because that's where your support now is. It's not in the far right or the far left. You are going for Middle Ireland and Middle Ireland... Uh, like safety, uh, or traditionally did anyway. Um, so you have seen that 
slide back I think from some of perhaps their more um, militant views on some issues um, towards a more middle ground and I think you'll see them floating around that area from now on um, whether it's on security, whether it's on health, housing um, I don't think they'll be radical or certainly not as radical as they were in in previous times when perhaps they had the ability to be radical because they didn't have that vast chunk of support that the polls are certainly telling us that they do have amongst the general public. I think the 14 extra seats that the Boundary Commission um, allocated across the country will be where they're at now, thinking how many of those they can gain because they're seats that are up for grabs uh, amongst all parties you would hope that all parties are uh, focusing in on them and, and, and making gains because there are there are 14 more TDs in our next, um, or there will be in our next doll. Uh, I think Sinn Féin will certainly be eager to gain as many of those as, as possible because Mary Lou Macdonald and her party knows that they have to if they're going to have a decent chance of making a stable government. There's one thing about having the numbers to technically have a government, but if you're going to do it, I think Mary Lou Macdonald and her party would be hoping that they'll have a significant majority for a coalition that will last or certainly won't be taken down within the first year or 18 months. Yeah, and I would have thought that they'll, they'll be placing huge emphasis on the local elections because I've noticed even recently a number of candidates being selected for the local elections. And of course, they're coming from a very low base there because they had a very bad 2019 local elections where they lost a lot of seats. And now, I don't know, it strikes me that there'll be a certain leap. They'll want to get a big, a large number of councillors, but they'll want to bed them down so quickly because presumably an awful lot of them will then be going forward for the election, which could be 12, 13 months' time. And um, there'll be a lot going on there in terms of getting their ducks in a row. Yeah, and it's interesting, if you look back to the last general election, some people who did very badly in the local elections, uh, or, or certainly didn't do very well, uh, were then elected to Dáil Éireann. Um, so it's hard to know uh, how these polls will predict how one poll will predict the next poll certainly the locals how they will predict the nationals we used to know that you know if a party did well at local level a few years later there was a general election that that would follow through but of course the opposite was the case between 2019 and the local and European elections where Sinn Féin were annihilated and I think it's it's probably something that we should be stressing that Sinn Féin, even if they gain a third more seats, will only be at where they naturally should be at at a local level and will have to... So so then, you know, claiming significantly more seats may only be going back to where they should naturally settle, considering the number of seats they lost last time around. So they really do have a body of work to get an increase on where they should be at, uh, at local level. Yeah. Um, and then to, to get those uh, candidates and those who get seats to follow through to a national uh, election and be successful at, at national level. It's interesting, though, you don't have to run for a local to uh, contest a national or to contest a general. And I think, especially when it comes to gender quotas, which will be increased next time around, I think Sinn Féin perhaps may be looking to more well-known people uh, to put forward for a general that may not run in the locals. 
Yeah, and I'd say Sinn Féin are well ahead of the other parties in terms of gender quotas. But do you think they're Elaine, they may look for people who are well-known in, in life outside of politics already to, to run for them? Perhaps, or even just on the ground in their own localities, or perhaps those oh. who have been previously who lost out in the, in the locals. It does feed into this thing of, I think it's a wider issue for all parties. They've been reporting it's very difficult to recruit local candidates this time around because people see that it's now a full-time job with part-time wages for a start. You then had the added uh, extra of online abuse um, and and, and even aside from the abuse, the online element to politics has increased the workload significantly because there was a time, let's say, when a TD at national level held a clinic once a week. If someone had an issue, they turned up to the clinic. They then would have to wait another week to return to the clinic to see if the TD had been able to deliver on their query or their concern. Now TDs and and local reps, whether that's councils or just local area reps who are not even elected, are getting it on queries through Facebook, through WhatsApp, through email, through text. And what I'm hearing is, you know, if you don't respond within a day, they go on to the next local area rep or local council member or TD for that matter. So they know if, they're, if they don't have an almost instant response for their constituents, they're potentially losing support or losing a vote. Um, so that's adding to the stress and strain um, and workload of our politicians. And as I said, not to mention the, the abuse that some come in for online. Um, so it's not only Sinn Féin that have this issue, but I think parties have been finding it perhaps more difficult than usual to recruit, especially for the locals. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I, yeah, the abuse I knew about, but I, I, I suppose I never really took on board, as you said, the extra workload. Uh, the irony in that, of course, being that when, in theory, social media should make it a lot easier to do your job and would have thought would relieve work. But as you say, it's like, like a lot of things in that area, the demands come on and people want everything done yesterday and not healthy from the point of view of attracting people into into politics unfortunately you know it's um yeah it's definitely one to watch um another thing elaine just finally that uh, did occur to me Michal martin i think he made some suggestion about the media were i don't i don't think he said talking up Sinn Féin, but we're cheerleaders nearly, uh, that's what he cheerleaders. We're, we're cheerleading, cheerleading and we must stop cheerleaders cheerleading for and I suppose what he was getting at, and when I thought about it, you know, there's no doubt there is a certain um, feeling conveyed by a lot of us in the media, and maybe, maybe or maybe not, it's a reflection of what's the general feeling in society, that it's nearly inevitable that whatever shape the next government takes, Sinn Féin, on the basis that they currently are, in opinion polls, and are likely to be in terms of seats, will be a major element in the next government. And he was making the point, it ain't a done deal. And when you look at the opinion polls even, he has a point, like an awful lot could depend on the election because people forget, of course, you go back only 20, 30 years and you had Fianna Fáil when they were, they were always the biggest party. But but when in the, in the 50s, in the 70s, in the 90s, even though they were the biggest party, quite obviously two smaller parties were able to form a coalition. And that prospect isn't as dead as perhaps some of us may uh, may assume it to be. 
Yeah, and I think as well, if when in calling us cheerleaders, uh, which you can imagine the media did not take well, and I think members, uh, reporters that certainly were at that thinking earlier on this week were pointing the fact that we simply are reporting on the polls, and perhaps if Fianna Fáil were lying or bobbing around 35%, uh, they'd be only too happy for us to report on the various opinion polls that come out. But he also pointed to the 2016 election when the media were calling it uh, one way, and we saw that it went a very different way and that uh, Fianna Fáil got considerably more support than had been expected or certainly commentators were were predicting um, that they would. So uh, voters are very fickle and I think you do have to take opinion polls with a pinch of salt um, at times, you know, uh, they do give us a clear indication and they certainly have been giving us uh, a very similar indication for the lifetime of this government and it has been that Sinn Féin are on the surge. Perhaps are plateauing now but are plateauing at a very high level. Uh, meanwhile, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are, are sliding or certainly are staying uh, put and are, are not gaining any ground on that Sinn Féin surge. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. You could have the scenario that, you know, Sinn Féin, the support base may not turn out on the day, so it might not be the the 30%, 32, 33, 35% that the polls are indicating. It could be closer to 28%, but we still do know that they will be a significant uh, chunk of the next doll because uh, bar some massive uh, explosion or controversy, I can't see the public support dwindling for Sinn Féin. No, but at the same time, Sinn Féin could be ahead and fairly well ahead. But Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and, for example, maybe the Greens or another party would have enough to, to, to form an alternative government. Yeah, and really I don't think the public become fully engaged until an election is called and the campaign begins. And we've seen uh, people lose seats in a campaign that were sure to either claim a seat, regain a seat uh, or retain a seat long before the general election and who've been speculated long before general election and things happen on the campaign, things are said, uh, public mood gathers momentum in one direction or another and as I said, really most people go about their own business for four, four and a half years in between elections, probably don't think much about politics until they are given the choice and the chance to vote in or out politicians and it's really then when they become engaged and then perhaps when we see where the public mood is actually at and how much support Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the other parties have in reality. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting one way or the other and, and the, the start of that will be next, will the start of this term and a lot of people are suggesting this will be the last full year we'll have before the election. Both will wait and see. Elaine, thank you very much for joining us today. Elaine Lachlan, political editor of the Irish Examiner. Thanks, Mick. I'd also like to thank our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you, folks, for listening. Take it easy and we'll talk again next week. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.